and welcome to week two of MLS Gone Wild. Uh, thank you for joining us again for this very exciting second episode for us. I want to thank everybody for their feedback from the first episode and everybody come in for a listen. I want to start this going with uh, Blem, so get it going. Yeah, what's up, guys? This is this is Blem Daddy. Um, sorry if I if I stutter, if I you know forget what I'm saying. I'm currently watching the New York City FC game versus Tigres. Um, but we're gonna get this thing going, and I'm gonna try not to watch the game and focus on what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, like like Cooper said, welcome to week two of MLS Gone Wild. Uh, through week two, we have two perf- or four perfect teams and four teams without a point. Uh, two of those teams are our two expansion teams, Nashville and Miami. Pizarro scored the first goal, Miami's inaugural goal, on Sunday night. Um, and then so from that all the way to the shootout in L.A. between LAFC and Philadelphia, um, we had a very, very eventful week, too. So it was a great week. We will go ahead and step right into our predictions from week one from that we predicted last Wednesday. So our first game that we predicted was the Seattle Sounders versus the Columbus Crew. That game ended in a 1-1 draw in Seattle. Dakota, he picked Seattle to win 2-1. Pupas picked uh, – it was a 2-2 tie for Pupas. And ding, 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 I'm the winner here. I picked a 1-1 tie. If you don't believe me, fact check me. Go back and listen to the first episode. Uh, so I did get that one right. The second game that we picked was Toronto FC versus New York City FC. The game ended in a 1-0 win for Toronto FC. In Toronto, Brandon picked a 2-1 win. Way off. Way off. Uh, yeah, yeah, you you were off. So you lost the game. You picked a 2-1 win for New York City FC. I picked, a two, I picked the same exact thing as you. I don't know why I followed your lead, but I did. I thought NYFC uh, was going to do a little bit better than what they did. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and to, you know, I, I picked two to one New York City FC as well. I just, I thought that because they were, you know, with a 10 man team playing against the crew and they only lost one zero, I gave them a lot of credit, probably too much credit, seeing as they're still one of the teams with no wins in the MLS. Uh, and then Dakota picked, dang, 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 right on the money. He picked Toronto to win one to zero. Uh, so good Give on it to me. Good, good on you, Dakota. We both got uh, a, one game perfect. We picked the winner or the tie. Um, spot on. Our last game that we picked was DC United versus Inter Miami. Brandon went out on a limb here and he picked <laughs> Miami. He picked Miami to win three to one. Not saying that they didn't have the chances to possibly win that game about three to one. But Brandon, you were off. Uh, the the game finishing a two one win for DC. I picked a <laughs> I picked a one one tie, which it could have finished at that. And then Dakota, you picked a two zero DC win. So you were. Um, you you were one goal off. You know Pizarro scored in the in the second minute. So if that didn't happen, you would have went spot on. So so far, I gotta get half a point, right? I get half a point at least. I get the uh, win. Uh, yeah, yeah. Come on got, now, we gotta figure out this point system here. Yeah, I yeah, should get something. Yeah, we'll figure out the point system as you go. But Brandon got zero things. Brandon was way off. Oh yeah, yeah. You did pick a tie. You yeah, picked I picked the, the tie, baby. So, oh, yeah, you picked that wrong. You you picked the correct result, so. I picked one correct result in the correct scoreline. Dakota project or he predicted. Uh, let's see. Two wins. Win. I got one. Yeah, two wins and right. two wins and one perfect. Uh, you picked the scoreline. 
and then I picked only one right, and the only one I got right was the the perfect score line. So uh, we'll keep that we'll keep that record going, and we'll report on that every week. Uh, so good job, everybody. At the end of the show, we'll go on and do our week two projections. So just like last week, we did the goal of the week. Uh, I I have three down here. I'll let you guys go ahead and take the lead, Dakota. We haven't heard from you, so go ahead and you know start us off with the goal of the week and who do you got and why you got them. Yeah, I mean, like, going back and looking at the goals, there wasn't too much special until you got to the LAFC-Philly game. I mean, you got Vela's free kick goal, which was amazing, took two steps back. That's pretty much one of the most complicated ways to kick a ball, especially and get it up and over a wall into a top corner is phenomenal. But I just got to go with Jacob Glesnez's goal. Yeah, apologize if I'm pronouncing that last name wrong. But his free kick goal in that game as a defender just bombing that into the net like that, it was it was phenomenal. I mean, you don't strike a ball as well as that, especially if you're a defender. So kudos to him. That's my top goal of the week right there. That's more of a nasty how, from that free kick, that's for sure. How how far out was that? I have it was, it was thirty five plus. Was, I think it was forty yards out exactly. Had to have been at least forty. Had yeah, to it, have been. It was a bomb. Yeah, no question about it. Top goal for that, but, I mean, it's unreal. Poopus, what you got, man? I got to go with the uh, 16th-minute goal from uh, Polito, my man. I mean, it was a little slow roller, but the keeper had no chance of saving it because it fell, like, correctly right right in the corner of the net to the right side. So it was a perfectly placed ball. So that's my goal of the week because it's my man Polito. The newcomer. Poopus, I got to say something. I mean, I don't think there's anybody who is so on the Polito train this year as highly as you are. I mean, if you were, if there was a conductor of that Polito train, you would be the conductor leading it full steam right ahead. Nobody in line. You'd be running over, over everybody right hey, there. Hey, just wait for the hot takes. We'll get to there. We'll get to there. Yeah, I'd hate to tell you that you're right, but you're pretty right. Hey, my man, he's he's putting work in already. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's doing good. Um, so I have you. Uh, you already mentioned the Philadelphia Union goal with Jacob Glennis or Glessness, however you say his last name. I apologize. Phenomenal goal. Um, Thirty-five out, gave a two-one lead, but you know, a minute later, Giuseppe or not Giuseppe Rossi, uh, Rossi for LAFC put one in the back of the net to, to equalize two to two. That game was so back and forth. Another goal that I have down, somebody's uh, first goal as an MLS player, is Cubo for Cincinnati, FC Cincinnati. Uh, his preparation touch when he received the ball at the corner of the 18 and took a touch inside, and he, he literally put Brad Guzman on the ground. Um, he, he put him on the ground. The ball was knuckling all over the place. And I think what was more impressive for me than – the goal itself was kind of how he reacted to his first goal in the league. A lot of people be running around doing the celebrations for him. He literally waved at his teammates and told them to get back to the midfield line because he just cut the lead to two to one in the 64th minute and he wanted to go get more. So that's something promising for FC Cincinnati. Uh, The only other goal I have is Diego Valeri from Portland, his side volley from the right side of the goal. Uh, back stick in the 12th minute. That was the game-winning goal, and it proved to be the difference for Portland as they went ahead and beat Nashville in a 1-0 game. Actually, I do want to give a shout-out to uh, Pappy for FC Dallas. 
for giving the uh, game tying game tying goal for being 17 years old, tying that game up 2-2 against Montreal. Man, that's some that's some work for a 17 year old. Yeah, that goal that goal came pretty late, didn't it? Yeah, it was a uh, uh, 96 minute. Jesus. Yeah, well, good for him. How old, you said he's 17? Yeah, 17 years old. Oh my God. What were we doing at 17? Not that. <laughs> I'm not going to say a lot. <laughs> tell you what, though, that's just, <laughs> I mean, we're looking we're looking at that. We're talking about that goal. I mean, that's just brilliance of the FC Dallas homegrown their academy. I mean, they bring so many kids through that academy, and they're all succeeding at the level that they need to once they get to the senior level. So, I mean, that's just – that's all in congratulations to the whole FC Dallas academy and how they use their homegrown players. And if I remember, and if I remember correctly, they were FC Dallas was losing two to zero. Rudy had a brace at that point. Yeah, and they and they came back and scored two straight. And, yep. you know, the one of the ninety six. That's yeah, that's correct. For for a seventeen year old to score that, he's got ice in his veins. It's very well done. All right, so those are our goals of the week. We will go ahead. We're going to do a, a constant segment throughout our podcast. It's going to be called "Who's Hot, Who's Not." Uh, each of us are going to have a couple uh, players and or teams that are either winning, scoring goals, doing good things on the field, and we're going to have some teams that are struggling, so we're going to touch on those points. Uh, Poopus, do you want to go first? Who do you got that's hot? I got this hot is uh, my man Polito with uh, Sporting Kansas City. Ah, I couldn't have guessed that one. The man has two uh, goals and two assists in two games so far. He's, uh, he's a big playmaker for uh, – for Sporting Kansas City, so he's coming up from uh, Chivas. So, that man's putting in work this year, and I, he's about to be putting in work all season long. So. so, for me, one of my hot takes, not hot takes, but a team for me, a team that's hot is Minnesota. Minnesota is one of the four unbeaten teams left in the league. They have eight goals for and three goals against in two games. They're the highest scoring team in the league. They have three players with two goals. Uh, in all of 2019, Molino had three goals and four assists. Some of that is kind of due to injuries. He only started 11 games. But through two games this year, Molino has two goals and an assist. Uh, in 2016, Molino scored 11 goals and tallied eight assists for Orlando City FC. This could be a similar year for him. Uh barring that he stays healthy. Luis Amaria, I touched on him a little bit last week. I talked about him and my newcomers. He has two goals and assists through two games. Uh, and then Ike Opara, in his 11 seasons in the league, hasn't scored more than three goals in the season. This past weekend, he scored a brace. So he's one goal away from his career high. They started the season strong. Uh, after making the playoffs, they were a four seed last year. And unfortunately, they took a first-round loss to L.A. Or, uh, the Los Angeles Galaxy in the first round. But I think that they're going to look to continue their winning ways, possibly make a playoff push. Again, four seed or higher. They look great so far with eight goals. Probably the most exciting team to, to watch as of right now. And we get to watch them uh, Sunday night on Fox. So that'll be entertaining. But, yeah, they, they play the Red Bulls this weekend. So we'll see if they can, you know, continue their perfect streak and, you know, start off 3-0 and get those nine points. Yeah, I'm, Blake, I'm, I'm glad you touched on uh, Ike Opara. I mean, the guy, like you said, the three goals there. I mean, he's been phenomenal for him. You always hear of Ike Opara getting up 
into the attack, putting in balls into the box, but you never hear about him scoring goals and stuff like that. To get his two goals in his uh, first, to have two goals through the first two games is phenomenal for them. And I think that just shows how much the Minnesota team can really spread around. They're not relying on one goal scorer or anything similar to that. So, yeah, I think that's a big topic for them going forward is everybody scoring goals for them. So, nice touch there. Um, yeah, with that, I want to add one more thing. I think there's a, there's a resurgence of uh, Ethan Finley. I think that coming off the right-hand side, he had two assists this past game. I think he's going to have a huge year for them. He's kind of going to look like the Ethan Finley of old when we used to see him in the black and gold, and he used to come off that right side and create so much for us. So I think that's a good fit for him in Minnesota, and I hope that he does big things and continues to provide assists for them. Yeah, and I think you touched it. Wasn't that one of your hot takes before the season The in week one, I believe, yeah, about Ethan Finley? Uh, you know it. Yeah. Top notch there. Yeah, so uh, going forward, my I'm going to kind of build on what Brandon was saying about his who's hot, but I'm going to take it to the whole another level. I'm going to talk about SKC, period. This SKC team, this sporting team is unreal. I mean, they have pieces in every position, every aspect you're looking for. I mean, you got Kinda, Polito, Shelton, Sanchez, Ilya Sanchez. You got Zuzi, believe it or not. Still, you got Bezler along with Tim Malia. I mean, these guys have the pieces to go all the way finally. And in a while, for the first time in a while, I think it's been a couple years since they've been there. But, I mean... Looking at this team, you have Polito at the center forward, who's a man, who's like a true number nine. The ability, oh, damn straight. You the ability to go forward, the ability to hold up the ball. He just doesn't get into the box and score goals. He gets the ball at his feet. He's able to lay it off. He's what every coach looks for for a center forward. He's like a dream center forward, I think, within this league that every coach wants to get. You got Kingdo with two goals, one assist already. Along with Polito, you got three other players with one goal apiece. Um, but my big thing, I want to talk about uh, Kyrie Shelton. Um, so Kyrie Shelton is has, to me, he's like kind of a story. Um, last year, he spent the year in Germany. Um, this year, he's back with Sporting <laughs> Kansas City. But Kyrie yeah, Shelton. Thanks for that information. Thank you for that information, Pooper. So yeah, no problem, man. No problem. No yeah, I would have, I would have, I would not would have realized that. But just because his career seemed to disappear a little bit within the MLS. But I truly think so far this year, this is the best Kyrie Shelton I've seen. Um, yeah, I mean, coming out 2015, he was drafted in the second, uh, first round, second pick of that draft out of Oregon State. Um, but I mean, since 2000, his best season since was 2016, where he tallied four goals and nine assists. But I truly think watching him this year, we're going to see the best year we've seen from Kyrie Shelton come out. Um, he already has two goals within the 2020 season already within the first two games. He is a good outside forward winger, whatever you want to call it. Um, every coach, every person has a different saying for that position. They're all the same. But he's able to put balls in. He's able to cut inside. He's a dynamic outside winger. Um, playing with players like Kingdom and Polito around him could definitely take some pressure off of him so he doesn't feel like he has to perform as highly. So hopefully it allows a resurgence within this kid's career, and hopefully we can see the best of him going forward here. 
I mean, I agree with you part way, especially for this season, having two goals so far in two games, which is good. But with Paderborn, he played six games with no goals in the whole season. And then when he was with Swope Park Rangers, a USL team, he only played two matches with zero goals. So I believe he was hurt for some of that season with the USL. And then when he was at NYFC, he had only six goals in 56 games played. So, I mean, you could say he's going to be a big player this year, but he'll just have to prove it this year for the rest of the season since he's starting out hot. Yeah, and that's kind of just going back. I mean, I can, I hope so. He hasn't played a full season within the MLS yet due to injury. So hopefully we can get a full season from him this year, and hopefully we can see the best going forward from this kid. Yeah, so for me, I know you guys are talking about Sporting Kansas City. I've already had my one of my hots. But one of the things that I thought was most remarkable going back and looking at the stat lines and what have you is in their 4-0 to win against Houston – Four different players scored. So, for me, I think that just shows that they have options going forward. They have a balanced attack. They have a really good defense. I think they're a really good team. They're going to be really fun to watch. I don't really see any holes in that team, to be honest with you. That energy, that electric energy within uh, Children's Mercy Park, though, is unreal, too. I mean, going back and watching that game this weekend – I mean, the energy was there. I mean, I couldn't – I would have loved to have been there for this game, that game this weekend. Yeah, they uh, – what do they call it, the Blue Hell? Yeah, the Blue Hell. Yeah, I wouldn't want to play there. Nope. Um, so, before <laughs> b- before we go any further, I just got a notification on my phone. The NBA suspends season until further notice after Jazz star Rudy Gobert reportedly tests positive for coronavirus. Well, a lot of players have to get tested now. Yeah, so That's I think sure. that now that the NBA has, you know, they're they're taking, at this point, they're taking active action. At first, they were talking about making, you know, taking proactive action and playing behind closed doors, which um, the MLS hasn't talked about, but the MLS has already postponed certain games next weekend, one being in Seattle against FC Dallas. So I don't think this is anything that's going to go away in the sports world anytime soon, unfortunately. Just seeing that, I thought it would relate kind of to, you know, to the MLS. Yeah, San Jose has also postponed their match next weekend as well. Or this weekend. It's next weekend or this weekend. I can't remember which one it is. So it's it's next weekend, I know for sure, for um, for who did I just say? The uh, Seattle. 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 Yeah, Seattle. It's next week. And for yeah, me, the I earthquakes is the I, earthquakes is postponed. Their March twenty first game against Sporting Kansas City actually is postponed. It's going to be moved yeah, to a later date. Right, and I mean it's better to act on the side of caution. So I think what's going to happen. I think these, I think these postponements are coming from governor's discretion too. Yeah. It's not an MLS thing that is making them do it. It's not the MLS. It's their governors making them do it. Right, and that's that's how these things go. So I play fantasy basketball, so I don't know how this is going to affect my fantasy basketball league in the first place. So I don't know what's going on, but we'll uh, let's let's keep those guys healthy. Let's keep all our athletes healthy. Let's keep all our fans healthy. Make sure you, make sure you, you wash healthy. your hands after you go poopy and pee. That's for sure. After you go poopy, <laughs> that's right. After you go poopy, make sure to wash your hands for how long, guys? You think the whole seconds. There you go. Say the ABCs once or twice, and you'll have you'll it. be said. Hey, if they start postponing games, I just hope it's not next week. I hope it's the weekend after. 
the weekend after the 21st so I can get to Nashville and see my beloved crew play the expansion team. So hoping they give it at least two more weeks. I hope they do too. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. So, Brandon, you started us off. What else is hot? What else you got? Who's hot? What player's hot? What team's hot? What you got for me? All right, so I got uh, who's definitely super hot coming in the fucking – oh, excuse me. Excuse my language. Coming into week three <laughs> is Maximiliano Uriti. Yeah, that's how you say it. Uh, he's played two games so far. He has three goals. Seven shots have been taken so far from him and four shots on goal. But three of those – Three of those shots have been goals in the back of the net. So, he's like, he's coming in hot already. So, if he keeps that up, like last season, he only had three goals total on the season. So, he's looking to have a big season this year so far. He's already sc- scored three goals in two two games. So, excuse me, I couldn't talk there, but. Talking's hard, man. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, before we go any this this New York City FC game in Tigre is getting a little chippy. Mitrito just went down really easy in the box, and the defender was standing over him. And Mitrita elbowed the guy in the in the lower leg. And we're in the we're in the 89th minute and zero zero. Things are things are getting a little feisty out here. I like it. I was gonna say you're a little ahead of me. I literally just saw that. So okay, so I had to comment on. It. I like things that are feisty. So uh, no, you're I fine. To, uh, just wait for that Atlanta Club America game later on. That's gonna be a good game. Ooh. Yeah, it is. Hey, having this many teams in the speaking speaking of Atlanta, Dakota, what you got about Atlanta? Emerson Hydman, guys, this kid is off to a flying start within the MLS this year. I don't know if you guys remember. I used to be big on this kid when he was at Fulham. I thought he was going to be the me- next big thing. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Um, <laughs> it's it's hard. I mean. The kid's a the kid is a great player. Unfortunately, it's just hard. He went over to Fulham at the age of fifteen, so it's just hard to break into teams like that. He signed his pro contract with Fulham at eighteen. Had a good year with um, Hibernian or Rangers. Um, one of the years that he was in Scottish, that he got prom- uh, transferred to Scotland. But this year, he's off to a rally start with two goals in two games. Um, he's tied with Barco for the most goals. Um, for the team, Barco and Heidman are actually the only players who have goals for Atlanta United. Um, last year, Heidman was brought over from Bournemouth on loan. This year, in December, they signed him permanently. Um, he already has five goals with Atlanta and three assists. That's his highest goal tally with any team that he's been in in the shortest amount of time. So I think, and he had the stunner of a volley in the first week. I think this kid is on the way up. Unfortunately, I think it might be too late for a U.S. call-up just because we have so many European players who are way ahead of him. But just to see him rejuvenate his career, I think, would be great. We'll see what happens, but he's off to a flying start so far this year. Yeah, just to add on to that, Barco also has two goals uh, and an assist. So I know that we talked about Joseph and a possible replacement last week and that you're not going to really have a replacement. You're just going to have somebody that fills the void. But I think they've done a really good job in the first two weeks of creating. That also has a lot to do with uh, P.T. Martinez. He's also doing a lot of creating. I think he has three assists in two games. So Atlanta, 
still look solid. They're they have six points in two games. Uh, they did just sign JJ Williams from the Columbus. And he'll definitely, I don't he'll, know. he'll definitely be a better fit than Adam John because Adam John didn't do anything the first game. He was invisible. You know, you know, watching that game, I don't think that was Adam John's fault. I think that there were a lot of opportunities where Barco and PT Martinez and those attacking guys up there with him could have found him in the run of play. I just don't think they have the same amount of trust in Adam John as they did in Yosef Martinez. Oh, definitely not. So not I think that's either they're going to really have to get used to Adam John or they're going to have to find a replacement for Adam John. I don't think J.J. Williams is that guy. I think J.J. Williams is somebody that could possibly fill in during some CONCACAF Champions League games and play some, you know. Uh-oh. Goal time. Tigre scored. Hold on a second. Keep in mind, there's no VAR in Concacaf Champions League, and we will talk about that Which later. Is good. So it looks like <laughs> it looks like it looks like the goal is going to stand for Tigres literally in the second minute of stoppage time. Wow, that's crazy! Off off of a rebound. Did you just see it? No, it's still coming. They're building up right now. They're on the right side. Twenty three just crossed it deep. Yeah, he he was on side. You got Max. You got Max Morales playing. Deep as a right back, pretty much. Jesus, it's never good. Yeah. Oh God. Yep. That build up though yep. was phenomenal. I mean, give yeah, it to T Graves. That build up's phenomenal. Yeah, sure was. Sorry for the the live commentary there, but we, you know, we're watching this game live, so we might as well bring a little something to you if you're not watching. So that's that's a little bit of about Atlanta. So you guys have done both of your. You know, who's hot? So I'm going to do my second one. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Cardiac Kids, uh, the Colorado Rapids. They've had two two two-to-one victories. Uh, Both of their wins, their goals have come in the 90th minute or later. Acosta and Price, they provide good service and coverage in the midfield ahead of their really, really sturdy defense that includes people like Drew Moore, Abubakar that came from the Columbus crew, and Rosenberry. And they have a, a proven goal scorer in Kai Kamara. Uh, they've been on a really upward trend since, like, late last year. Dakota, you sent, I believe, their schedule or a chart of what they did in the back half. I did a little bit of research. So in their last 10 games of 2019, they beat the New York Red Bulls, the Seattle Sounders, LA Galaxy, Sporting Kansas City, and Dallas FC. Four of those five teams last year made the 2019 playoffs. And that was what they did last year on top of making additions for this year and looking as good as they do this year. So they finished ninth in the West last year, but I think that there's a good chance that they finish higher than that. And I think Colorado will make the playoffs this year. But the mere fact that they've won two games in stoppage time is so entertaining. Um you don't say it often, but Colorado might be a fun team to watch. Yeah, I can totally agree with you. I mean, that's people say the sport isn't entertaining enough. I hope they're those doubters and people hating on the sport are definitely tuning into that those Colorado games because you can't say that's not entertaining. For sure, for sure. I mean, they they play pretty stout defense, only giving up you know two goals and in, in two games. Uh, 
their offense could probably provide a little bit more, but it seems like they're doing just enough defensively where they can do just enough offensively and win games. Yeah. So I think the acquisition of Drew Moore was huge for that team as well. Have Drew Moore anchor that defensive line next to Abubakar is massive for him. A veteran leader with a young player like Abubakar, that's big for him. So I think yeah, that's I, a big acquisition. And being a being a crew fan, we got to see Abubakar in his rookie year and, you know, at least the next couple of years after that, you know, one or two years, however long he stayed there. And he was kind of playing second fiddle to some of our center backs. And it was good to see him go on loan last year. But I think it's, you know, Columbus Crew has their center backs. So I think it's good that he ended up signing a permanent deal with Colorado. And I think he's going to be their stand, one of their standout center backs. And he's going to be a staple in their defense. So it's good to see somebody that we drafted, not so much that they are, you know, are still producing for us, but they're producing still within this league. And I think he has success in his future playing in the defense anywhere in this league. And, possibly overseas. He's a big presence. So I think Colorado's in good hands right now. So now that we've talked about all of our uh, who's hot, each of us have done two. So we, we got six six teams or players that are hot. Who's cold? Oh, oh. I mean, okay. is there really any debate about this? I mean, I think we all got the same one for this one. Let's get started with this one. The LA Galaxy. Man, <laughs> the LA oh man. Galaxy. They are starting off like a whoo. Like a what? A shit Give me show. Give me... Big time. <laughs> there it is. I like it. There it is. I like it a lot. They are not hot at all. I mean, uh, you, got fans, no. you got their own fans fighting in the stands. So I hope that tells you anything. Yeah, that was a pretty wild video. That was. Yeah, that video. <laughs> we So we, we shared it on our Twitter page. If you want to follow us, we're. At Gone MLS G O N MLS. Uh, again, we are at Gone MLS G O N MLS. So give us a follow. Uh, we, we tweet live to games. Uh, we we tweet specifically to the games that we pick each week, um, and we and we retweet big goals, big moments in games. So give us a follow. Have a conversation. Let us know what we can do better. All you guys will for sure enjoy. That's for sure. Yeah, All I mean, right, so- there's really. This LA Galaxy team, I mean, I don't know where to start. Does anybody well, do you guys have a starting point? Because hold on, I'll give you the so rundown. Can, Let me give you the rundown. There's so much right I could start with, I don't know which point I want to make the most clear. I mean, if this says oh, I got if this says anything, within the past two weeks, LA has went from the MLS power rankings from six all the way down to seventeenth right now. Yeah. So that that's that says a lot already. So Luckily and surprisingly, that they've only gave up two goals for the past two games to their opponents, which is just crazy, especially how bad they're playing right now. So for so after the first week, Scalero came out and said they need to cross more. I mean, right now they're every- <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said in a press conference. Oh my goodness! And I mean, right now they're averaging averaging twenty two and a half crosses per game. The last game against Montreal or against. Uh, the Dynamo. Did you read my? Did you read my notes? No, I didn't. Ah, uh, poop right, is cool. getting caught in the <laughs> act here. He didn't read my notes. He said he thinks he's a numbers guy. Go ahead. All right, so they're averaging twenty-two and a half crosses guy. per game right now. The last game they had twenty-seven crosses total, and for Guillermo to come out and say they need to cross the ball more after week one, well, I'm pretty sure they crossed the ball enough. I mean. 
I'm sure that, I mean, they're, I know they're used to Ibra being up top and winning those balls across the middle, but the man, the man seen the Ibra's ghost out there, I swear. So, but, so let's get to this. So, just hold on to touch on your numbers. So they're crossing the ball 22 and a half times a game per, with Chicharito, who is not an aerial presence. Yes, per game. Which is correct. No. So that's that's that is forty five crosses in one hundred eighty minutes. That's quick math, you know. Uh, I went to college for that. I, I didn't go to college for that, but I, I, did, I did take some. I, I I did take some math in college, you know. But twenty two times, twenty two and a half times two, it's forty five. It's quick math. Give me some credit where credits due. Anyways, last year with Zlatan, they only averaged six sixteen crosses a game. Sixteen is still a lot, but when you have a guy like Zlatan, like yeah, that's your game plan. And look how many goals and they put away with Ibra being in the middle. Exactly. Crossing the ball. Exactly. Exactly. And now they went from 16 with Zlatan to 22.5 a game with Chicharito. And that is not going to work. And what blows my mind even more, Guillermo said he wants to keep the same game plan. You can't do that. Look what happened in the first two games. It's just yeah. not so much Chicharito. They're only putting in four players, three to four players in the box, expecting to get knockdowns or whatever. Vancouver had on average six to seven defenders in the box every cross. I mean, they're outnumbering them. They're not going to win knockdowns. It's outrageous. They're pretty much – I mean, it's 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 so easy to defend. When they get the ball out wide, you know what's coming. Center defensive mids drop in with your center bat or your, your defenders, and you already got six guys in the box right they're there. They're pretty much crossing yeah. and praying. They're pretty much crossing and praying right now and hoping the ball goes in. But without any anybody in the inside the box, the ball's not going to go in. No. So, I'll also give you this. So, so far with Chicharito, 105 passes have been targeted to Chicharito so far over the last two games. Only 38 of those passes have actually been completed to him, which is 36.19%. Numbers guy. And then I also got – Hey, shout out to Laney. The lady, he's listening. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Laney right there. So, <laughs> so, in the final third, even – Chicharito has the worst completion rating in the final third than anybody else. Giassi Zardes is second, but Giassi Zardes can't even finish the ball sometimes, so that says a lot. So, but Chicharito in the final third, he has a 22.22% completion rating in the final third. So he's he's not getting the ball at all, but if they are getting the ball, their, their passes aren't good enough to, to make it to him. So Guillermo's going to have to come up with a different game plan Supposedly, but he wants to still stick with crossing the ball even more. But that ain't gonna work with the team he has. They have so much talent on the team they can use, but the coaching staff doesn't know how to use it right away. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what's the um, the guy that came from the Chicago Fire that now plays for LA? Katai at wide. Katai. Yep. I think that he's super underrated. I think he was underrated at Chicago, but now he's kind of put on the big scene. So I think that he needs to he, he they they all need to perform better. Oh, without a doubt, because I mean you can't because last game against Vancouver they have twelve shots but one on net. That's it. They had so, so they're they're almost paying big money for Chicharito to be a decoy to uh, Pavone out left. Yeah, exactly. They, they're they're almost pl- they're almost paying him. That kind of money that he's getting, how much money is he getting paid? Does anybody know? No, I don't I do even know, not. but way too much. It's way, way too, too much. much. Well, I mean, even Pavone, like, if they're only getting one shot on that, that means nobody else is contributing at all. Nobody else is. Whatever. Yeah, can we 
Can I just mention how was anybody else super confused watching Jonathan Dos Santos DeSantos play as a number six? Hey, talk, talk to Is anybody about else that. really confused about that? Talk to Guillermo about that. midfielder? Yeah, I was confused about that. You have Sasha Kleckin and Joe, Jorge Corona, or is it Jorge Corona or Joe Corona? It's Joe, Joe Corona. Corona. Joe Corona. You have Joe Corona and Sasha Kleckin playing as a 10 and an 8 next to each other, getting no creativity within that attacking midfield. Chicharito only had one shot, guys. One out of the whole game and as a center forward. Kitai and awesome. Pavon both had more shots than him. Yeah. So what are we using Chicharito for? What did we pay Chicharito big money for? So his base salary is $6 million a year. That's way too much right now. Until he can produce, that's way too much. And right now I don't see him producing. So my next question is that I can ask you guys, are his expectations way too high? Is he that kind of profile player that we need to – be this disappointed in him, or is he just going to? Is this how he's going to be in the MLS? Well, I mean, I think is he? Just, I think the gameplay, the style of the gameplay, LA Galaxy play right now is completely wrong for Chicharito on the team right now because he's a totally different player. Like they're they're keeping the same gameplay as they did with Ibra. So, but I mean, if, I mean, who knows if they change the gameplay and Chicharito does the same thing? I mean, Chicharito has been a world class player in the, in soccer all around the world. But if they if he does the same thing and they change the whole thing, then maybe it's just Chicharito. I think the yeah. Big, so to, go ahead, Dakota. Yeah, I think the big thing. I mean, being a United fan, watching Chicharito all those years within United, all of his Chicharito is what you call a poacher. If you don't know what a poacher yep. is, go look it up. Find the definition. A poacher is somebody who literally is inside the six yard box and is poking away goals with his toe, pretty much. That is who Chicharito is. And unless you're playing that style of soccer and that style of game plan, you're not going to get much out of him. He has a lot of off-ball movement that is good and allows things to open up, but you're not going to get goals from him outside of the six-yard box, outside of the 12. You're just It's just not going to happen. Right. Yeah, I, I have those notes down as well. Like He's a natural finisher, but he, he's a natural finisher inside the 18 like from about 12 yards out and inside. Like he's not going to go up and win a lot of headers, especially against these big physical defenders that Zlatan used to just bully. Uh, that's that's not who he is. He's going to – if you guys are going to cross the – if LA is going to cross the ball, they need more than just him in the box. They need three guys in the box, like you said, to get a knockdown. Or you need to play the ball to feet, like a seven ball, you know, at the top of the box or to the PK spot where he can hit. But he's he's not going to go up and win you a whole lot of headers and score goals. Oh, definitely not. You know? Definitely no. not. I think not with tw- not. I also think I'm probably going off on a different subject here. I also think the defensive organization of this Galaxy team was very poor this weekend. You're leaving. Uh, go go ahead and expand on that. I mean, gaps in the middle. If you're looking at the stats, I mean, you got you're losing. 20 of the aerial duels. I mean, they couldn't get balls in the air one. I mean, you're playing balls in the air to Chicharito, expecting him to win it, and it's just not happening. You're not getting in the tackles. I mean, I just don't – I didn't see much of a defensive organization within them in that midfield, within that back line. I just just didn't see it. We have a thing 
within my coaching staff that I've been talking about, that I've talked about all my life. Um, it's earn the right to play. You have to earn the right to play by winning defensive tackles, winning aerial duels, and winning those second balls. And when I was watching this game, it's just like, of course they couldn't score because they weren't doing these things defensively. A Vancouver never allowed them to earn the right to play. Yeah, give them. Yeah, give the defense a lot more credit though, because look what they're dealing with up top, and I, I feel like they're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, they might not be winning all the balls in the air or anything like that, but yeah, give them credit for what they're dealing with up top right now. Yeah. So my biggest takeaway of this whole thing, Brandon, you've talked about it a little bit more than Dakota. Than Dakota, it comes down to Guillermo Barrascoloto. We love the guy. He used to be a crew player. Love. Oh, I loved him a lot. A lot. <laughs> uh, I know you did. Every time you would accidentally kick the ball in the goal, you would say that you were gear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think that he has just done a poor job at. So when personnel changes, whether that is in a job or whether that is on a soccer team, so do tactics. You cannot expect Chicharito to be Zlatan. I don't think that Guillermo does expect him to be like Zlatan. But I also don't know if Guillermo has a different coaching strategy. I think that this is just him and this is his way of coaching. And regardless of who he brings in, this might be how he plays. I, I read this week that there were some knocks on his previous coaching adventures that this is kind of how he plays and he struggles adjusting to the players that he gets. So I think this could just be another case of that. Maybe he needs his lots on or somebody that's a, you know, for an MLS sakes, a Giassi Zardes or somebody like that. But I, I don't think Chicharito I, – I think Chicharito's a good player. And like you said, he's a poacher. He's a goal scorer. But I don't think this is the style for him. Do you think he'd be able to even rely on Zardes as that center forward with the playing scheme that he's playing? I mean, Zardes has size compared to Chicharito. But we've seen some very inconsistent finishing from Zardes. I mean, if you go back and watch his goal from this weekend, how many times would he have somehow messed that up last year and missed the goal? We saw him. So, so I, I agree with you, but Zardes consistently scores about 15 goals a year. Yeah. So uh, it's, I mean, regardless of how inconsistent he is, the teams around him, when you, when you, and you're a coach and when you scheme for, you know, when you create tactics and when you create game plans and schemes for teams to win, you, you base them on, you know, how good is your defense and how many goals you think you're going to score a game? How good is your striker? Yeah, it all comes down to who they what their strengths and weaknesses are, too. If we have a striker who, if our top striker is going, is hot right now and she's more of a crosser, we play more of a crossing style. But if we see the film and see our opponent good in the air, we play more of a different forward we play a different forward going forward and we play a different type of game plan scheme going with that exactly and so that's and that's how it's supposed to be but Guillermo through two games has not made any adjustments no. so if they want to win games they they got to change how and the way and the way he says he's still not gonna make any adjustments so 
we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will. We definitely will. So that's going to wrap up our, our hot and cold segment for this week. Like I said, we're going to continue to do that on a weekly basis. There were a lot of calls this week that went to VAR. Um, we have two calls in particular, and they changed the way a game finished. They changed the result in the game. Therefore, we kind of want to talk about it. We want to talk about is this – should VAR be a part of the MLS? Should should it be a part of the game? What are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? What do we think about VAR? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you guys the two, the two. <laughs> Good night, Donovan. <laughs> Don Donovan is poopus's kid, and we can't put him to we can't put uh, him to sleep right now. Let's so. go to sleep. He's crazy. Yeah. Poopus just wants him to draw on his iPad, and he's not listening very well right now. So the two plays in VAR that we're going to be referring to, there was one in the Inter-Miami and D.C. United game. There was one in the Seattle Sounders and Crew game. I'm going to describe them both to you since we're not going to be able to show them to you, and then we're going to discuss uh, whether or not they were the correct calls. So in the D.C. United Inter-Miami game, uh, so Pizarro, the Mexican international, he scored his first goal for them in early at, to get an early lead in the second minute. So after that, so the score was one to zero in the 47th minute. Lewis Morgan scores, but after he scores, the referee goes back and takes a look at VAR. So what they conclude is there was a handball from Roman Torres. He gets a red card. The goal is disallowed, so it goes from two zero back to one zero. Uh, and then right after that, in the 59th minute, Uloa, one of the defenders for Inter Miami, he attempted to clear the ball and he kicked Edison Flores in the box. And he and Edison Flores, I'm just going to tell you guys the facts. I'm not going to give you guys my opinion yet, but he he drew a penalty. He, so Assad scored the penalty kick to go to two to zero. Oh no, it went from it went from two zero to one to one. And then quickly after that, in the 62nd, literally three minutes later, Bryant scored off of a rebound off of the goalkeeper and off of the post, and he buried it, and D.C. ended up winning 2-1. to one. So there's, there's two different instances there. Both went to VAR. There was the handball by Roman Torres and also the penalty kick that was conceded by Uloa where he kicked Edison Flores in the box. What do you guys think about all of that and the swing of the game? So it was going to be two to zero off of the Lewis Morgan goal, but they called that back due to VAR. And then how many minutes after that? What we got here? We got 12 minutes after that. There was a penalty kick that then, that then made the score go from two to zero to one to one. This Miami one got me really, it's got me thinking I watched the replay. I can't tell you how many times I watched that replay going uh, in review for this preparation and just trying to figure out what the heck happened. I, I agree it was a handball, but the fact that they gave a red card for that, I feel is pretty harsh. There's no way you can t- – so the red card for that kind of situation, the determination is the dogs though. Um, if they had a clear opportunity, goal-scoring opportunity, I'm not sure that was a clear goal-scoring opportunity if he hadn't handballed. 
they're shoulder to shoulder. Torres goes to body him, try to like shield him from getting the ball, and it just so happens to hit his arm. I'm not saying it wasn't deliberate or that, but to give a red card for that, yellow at least. So I agree pulling the uh, goal back if we're using VAR, but I can't say I agree with that being a red card. I can agree with it just because he was the last defender. And if yeah, but fight. they're neck to neck. If he was behind that attacker but, and dove on the ball to handball it or took it away or tackled him, that's taken away a deliberate goal-scoring opportunity. But because they're shoulder to shoulder at that point, if that ball doesn't hit his hands, you can't tell me they still wouldn't be shoulder to shoulder with the opportunity for him to still win the ball there. Well, you never know because his hand made the made the direction towards back to Torres. So yes, but they're both running. Ball. Torres was just quicker to stop. No, he was quicker to put his hand up for the handball. That's what he was doing. I'm not sure if it was. Because, like, so, you, I mean, we're never going to know what would happen after after that play. But they're, the way I guess they were thinking is if the handball didn't happen, then DC United's player was going to either, like, chest it down and go for goal, maybe scoring or, or something like that. But obviously his hand interfered, which caused the ball to make, go in a different direction. So, and then they got called back because of VAR. But, but at that the point, they're defender. still shoulder to shoulder. They're still right on top of each other. It's not. Yeah, that but, I mean, the, it's not like the def- the DC player was ahead of him, and he took a tackle or a handball to stop him. Yeah, but you know, like being shoulder to shoulder, anything could happen. Like Torres could have fell down, being shoulder to shoulder with that. Exactly. Uh, so it wasn't a clear goal scoring opportunity. It could have been though, because DC could have taken but the ball. But it's not. After that. That's not what you, Poopis. You're literally contradicting yourself. No, I'm not. So DC could have knocked the dude down, and the DC player could have got the ball and scored a goal. But at the same time, uh, t- the Miami Torres could have not handballed that and still won the ball on the ground with his foot. Yeah, but I mean, we'll so never it's know, not clear. It, it's not a we'll clear goal scoring opportunity. We'll never know because they're red cards. So, so for me, I think it, there's two different factors that play into this. Yes, Dakota, I agree with you that maybe it wasn't a clear and obvious because it was about five to ten yards on the other side of midfield, and Julian Gressel still had a really long ways to go. Don't get me wrong. I think it is a red card, and I think that is based off of Roman Torres being the last defender. And I think that is based on intent. Uh, Roman Torres was on an island with Julian Gressel. This is just my opinion, but I think Julian Gressel is going to win that foot race. He's a lot younger, and uh, he, he's also a lot faster than Roman Torres. And I agree. I agree. But, but also, so that's, that's the one aspect. And then the intent. If you watch the replay back, you can see Roman Torres intentionally – handball it's an intentional handball um he makes eye contact with the ball i think he knows everything about what he's doing at that moment in the in the run of the game i can't blame him for doing what he did you know it's it's you know it it could be worth a shot maybe you only get a yellow and you save a goal but unfortunately that completely swung the game they thought they had scored a goal and it gets called back and then it gets tied 1-1 on a pk and then they go up three minutes later on a brilliant rebound and after that, after uh, that handball, that's where Inter Miami's momentum like shifted down downward. So, 
again, I think Miami looked great prior to that point, but there was just that one second where they switched off and the ball was cleared and Julian Gressel was on an island with the, with the last defender in the attacking half for Julian Gressel. And they were shoulder to shoulder, but the ball was bouncing towards goal. And, you know, you, as a referee, you can't assume that Julian Gressel is going to win that ball, but you have to take it for what it is. This is the last defender and the intent going back and looking at, it, especially through VAR, you can see that there was intent to, you know, have a handball. So from my perspective, I think it's a red card. I respect both of your arguments. I think that if there wasn't VAR, maybe it could have been a yellow because they wouldn't have been able to see the intent as well. But I think because of VAR, I think it's a red, just because they can see the intent better. Correct, correct. I agree. All right, so we will now go on to the next VAR discussion that we have. It's from the Seattle Sounders and the Columbus Crew game. Uh, there was a 53rd-minute game-time goal from Ibarra. It was called back due to offsides on VAR. Uh, New Who crosses – New cross hits Offal's leg and then hand, which is called handball. But according to the new rules, if the ball hits a player's soccer playing body part, i.e. his leg, his knee, his chest, his head, whatever, um, then it hits the hand, then it should not be a handball. No VAR check. There was no VAR check for the handball itself. Um, they, for whatever reason, at least from what I saw, did you guys see that they went to VAR they for that? They did not. Yeah, they, they didn't go to VAR for that, which I find pretty particular or peculiar. I tried to say that earlier today, and my coworker said it uh, correct me. So I, I find that very interesting that they didn't go to VAR for that. So Eloy Room saves the initial penalty kick, which was an absolutely phenomenal save. I thought, but for whatever reason, the VAR referee and the, you know, the center referee's ear told him, hey, we need to take a look at this at VAR because I think that he stepped off the line early and both of his heels weren't on the line. So, like I said, Eli Room saves the first one. VAR deems it not a proper save because both of his heels were off the line. Uh, they let the, the PK be retaken and um, they, they score. Seattle scores. Uh, makes it a two. It makes it a one-one game, and the game ends in a one-one tie. If they go back and look at that initial call of a penalty kick, at least for me, and you know, apply the new rule where if it hits a new, if it hits a, if it hits a, if it hits a, if it hits a soccer playing body part and then your hand, it's not a, it's not a, you know, a card or a foul or a handball. If they go back and look at that that avoids the whole penalty kick situation. But instead, they let that fly, and then they decide to get even um, more specific, and you know they, they look at where Eloy Room's heels are. So I think that's an interesting call. What do you guys think about the call and, and the no VAR for the handball itself? Yeah, it was shocking to me that they didn't even go to VAR for that to begin with. I mean, every... I feel like every PK should be – if we're going to use VAR, I feel like it should be used in those types of situations no matter what the referee thinks. And the fact that they didn't even go to VAR was very shocking to me. Well, they should use it unless it's, like, blatantly obvious. But I agree. Like, they should have used VAR with that handball, though, without a doubt. 
like the if the ref is sure about the call that he's gonna make, and it's an obvious PK, all right, then go ahead and call it. But I mean, they he called it, but I mean, VAR really should have been. I mean, they review it in the uh, office too, so they should have had a say so on uh, what happened with that handball, also. Yeah, I agree. So I think that's a good point to leave that conversation and we will kind of, we're going to stick with VAR, but we're going to transition into the CONCACAF Champions League that does not use VAR. Like we were just saying, we just watched the T-Grace in the New York City FC game. They don't have, they did not have VAR in that game. It's CONCACAF game. Uh, so I'm going to refer to a game that was last night. It was Montreal versus Olympia. The, the 82nd minute, Montreal, there was a header in the box. And one of Olympia's players, I think, obviously made his body bigger by extending his arms and turning his back to block the shot. The center ref was about 10 yards behind the play at the 18. He called a penalty kick. Keep in mind, there's no VAR. So when a center referee calls a PK, you're like, all right, that's it. So instead of that being it, the sideline referee – got the center referee's attention and convinced the center referee that it was no handball. And not only was it no handball, the assistant referee convinced the center referee that it wasn't even a corner kick. And so to me, I think that poses the question. So we just talked about, you know, VAR, it's good and it's bad in the MLS. And I just, gave you guys an example of something that happened last night in a league where there's no VAR. And it's still a, a, a center referee made a decision, but an assistant referee made a different decision. What do you guys think? Do you guys think there should be a, should be VAR and what instances should be, should VAR be used or should we not use VAR and just let human error take over like it used to be? See, this is, this is so tough for me because as a longtime player, I mean, I played through high school, college. I now coach. Like, that's the thrill of the game is, like, the human error. It's like, oh, we shouldn't have just, we shouldn't have lost that game, but we did. I mean, and that's what hurts, and that's just, like, part of the game. But now we're getting VAR involved, and I think if VAR is involved – we need to make sure 100% they're getting the calls right. If we're leaving it still objectively, then we should just get rid of VAR. But if we're getting the calls correctly, taking out objective views from these VAR decisions, then I'm fine with it. But it seems like there's so many decisions that are still objectively given that it's not taking the true purpose that VAR was supposed to have in the game so we're still having human error within the game just with a video assistant instead and that's why i don't think they need var at all because i rather like it'd be a little bit better if a ref decided on his own his own like observations of, of the follower or whatever call he wants to make and but var is like you're having like a bunch of set of eyes looking over the play and they still get it wrong. So yeah. I'd rather have it's have it be one one person error than like six or seven eyes getting it completely wrong and like pretty much ruining like ruining a game for a team or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm you know, I I see both sides of it. 
that's that's why I gave you guys the example of the no call for the Harrison off full handball. I thought I was hoping you guys would kind of bring your bias into it. You know, that was VAR was, you know, it's it's there to look at those things and they didn't even look at that and they missed that call. So you know, what 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 do they look at? What constitutes what they look at and I think if you have a handball in the box, that is something that every time that it happens it it, it really needs to be looked at. More than just by the VAR referee the center referee needs to take a look at that. He knows what he's, he knows what he, well, in the case of the game last time, the Montreal game, the center referee knew what he saw. But just like acting like VAR, the assistant ref said, no, no, this is not what you saw. This is what happened. So I see it from both sides. I love the, the human error part of it. I think human error is a part of every sport. Unfortunately, in every sport now, we've almost taken the human error yeah. away. And so I, I, I think VAR is something that we're going to have to, to learn to live with. Unfortunately, it's only going to become more advanced. The EPL is far more advanced, I think, than MLS is with at least offsides. I saw a game this past weekend with the Arsenal game when Ozil assisted to Lacazette. And they literally just it, – it was a full diagram. It was a full diagram of whether or not he was offsides. So I think it's, it's only going to get – it's only going to go further with VAR. I don't necessarily agree that it should be part of the game, but it's, it's kind of where we're at right now, unfortunately. Yeah. And they just got to go, go with it. So nothing else. Yeah. All right, so we were aiming for 45 minutes to an hour, and we have now gone over an hour. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up real quick. Well, not real quick, probably. It's probably going to take way longer than expected, but we're going to go ahead and go over our picks for week two. So we got three games to pick from for week two. Our first game is going to be into Miami, the first game in Miami Stadium. Um, they're going to be bringing in the LA Galaxy who are struggling to win games, struggling to score goals, struggling to get Chicharito involved in the game. So enter Miami, LA Galaxy, what's the score line? Who wins? Do they tie? Cody, you want to go? I mean, you should have already known this was going to take longer than expected when you get me on the mic here. But, I mean, I see this Miami team jumping all over this Galaxy team this week. Pizarro is a man on a mission again to get – another goal. Morgan is coming on now hot. He'll look to continue that form. And I mean, we've talked about it before. This Galaxy team has no identity right now within their team. So I'm saying Miami 2 nothing going forward this weekend. I'll say I'll say 2-1 to one Inter-Miami. I, I really do think Inter-Miami is going to pull this one out. They're due. Like, they played, they played pretty damn good soccer so far the past two weeks. And, I mean, they only... They only went down because their momentum went down last game because that red card. That's what really hurt them. But I really think they pulled this one out because, I mean, I feel like Chicharito is actually going to score his first goal coming up this weekend. So, I'll put that yeah. put that into play. Even though they're, even though the play is terrible right now for LA Galaxy, I still think they'll put one in the back of the net. But I have two to one in Miami in this one. So, is Jonathan Dos Santos healthy? He's questionable. I mean, he played 45 minutes. I don't see him being much more healthy coming into this game than he was last game. I mean, the, the Galaxy Especially don't know what they're doing. Especially if you're talking so groin. Whatever. I mean, Blake, me and you both been there. We've had groin, some groin pain or quad pain. It doesn't, it doesn't take much to tweak that going forward. 
I still got it, brother. I wake oh, up with I it every day. It. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, opposite of what you guys are doing, I'm going to say 2-1 Galaxy. Oh. Oh. I, I think despite how bad we talked about them today, I think that maybe Katai, Pavone, and Chicharito get it together and could put two in the next one again. Mi- uh, they they got to win. This was a Miami what? team who still had very quality chances to get goals even down to 10 men against uh, D.C. I know. I know what it was. I know what it was. We'll just, we'll just watch and see. I think that's, what is it, three on Saturday on – one of the major channels, so everybody will be able to watch it. Um, that'll be a game I definitely yeah, tune into. Yeah, it's going to be 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 2 o'clock for me in the Central uh, Time Zone. Poopus, I don't know what time that is for you. I don't really care, <laughs> but it's going to be on Fox. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they don't have holes in their front doors to look and see who's knocking on them in Hawaii, so I don't know what time that yeah, is. Nope, they don't do one time straight forward, time, and that's so. all we got, folks. That's it. I don't know. <laughs> yep, pretty much. I look the outside sun the rises and the sun sets. Yeah, that's so all you I'm need. All here. Uh, <laughs> all right, so our next game, we have two undefeated teams playing against each other that we're choosing to predict. It's going to be Atlanta versus Sporting Kansas City in Atlanta. We talked about both of those teams and or players on those teams during the who's hot and who's not. So who do you guys have and why in this game? Because it's going to be a, a good one. This is going to be a good one. I got – so we talked about it. I mean, Atlanta, they've been relying on two players, Heidman and Barco. Sporting has five different players with goals, Polito and Kindo with two, Shelton, Hurtado, Espinosa with one. I think the Atlanta crowd, it is at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, so I think the crowd's going to give a little bit of home field advantage. But this SKC team is super hot. I mean, you turn the oven on 450, you put your hand in there, you'll burn yourself. That's all. Wow, that's pretty hot. I'm saying three one Sporting. Wow. That's pretty hot. I mean, that's pretty hot. 450, that's pretty hot. So, what was your score again? What'd you say? Oh, 3 1 sporting. I said 3 1 3 1 sporting. Oh, no. You're I mean, Pluto's the man. Dude. I really think he's going to score a goal this game, too. I'm going to say, I'm gonna say it's. I'm going to say 2 2 tie. It's, it's in Atlanta. Between sporting and Atlanta. 2 2 tie. Y'all got me torn. There's going to be goals in this game. It's going to be a lot. I just Uh, don't think Atlanta uh, has enough goal scorers to do it for them, though. And you're talking about this sporting defensive back line, which is very solid. You got Ilya Sanchez holding down the sixth position. Well, you never know when a team can crumble down for one game. They got got it it all. Not when Atlanta's so coming I'm off a midweek the... Champions League game. Yeah, they're getting ready to play. They're probably yeah, they're playing right now. Playing right now. I got it on. So, I'm going to give the win to Sporting Kansas City. I think with this with the question mark. I okay. think they're going to win 3-2. I like three it. Like it. 3-2 Sporting Kansas City. 
So that's that's who I'm going to give that to. Um, the last game that we are going to pick tonight is going to be the undefeated Minnesota team down, versus Minnesota the New York Red Bulls. I'm just going to throw it out there. I think it's going to be a three-to-one win for them. Three-one. Yeah, I think. Minnesota. I think it's tough. I mean, no, I don't think they they've run been, away with it that lately, much. So. Minnesota. But if we're looking at Red Bull and Minnesota, Red Bull has won the past. Minnesota right. has mean, never beaten Red anything, Bull though. at home. I mean, Red Bull's, Red Bull struggled against FC Cincinnati. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up. Hold the phone. <laughs> hold the phone. Let me talk here, bro. Clap on Let me that. talk. Clap for that name. Hold the phone. This Red Bull team is coming off a very disappointing game. Late stoppage time goal uh, from RSL to beat them. They looked good in the opening weekend against Cincinnati, but again, it's Cincinnati, so is anybody surprised really there? I do believe Minnesota wins, but I say 2-1 Minnesota. Well, I mean, they still, they still struggle against Cincinnati, too, though. This game. I like, think it's 2-1. In the second half, I agree, but again, Cincinnati but is really, opinion, so really bad. It is Cincinnati. I said 2-1 Minnesota. Oh, they're playing the young Red Bulls. Minnesota's playing at home. I spoke highly of Minnesota earlier. Oh, I'm going. Okay. Minnesota's giving... Okay. Uh, they're going to get a shutout. It's going to be 1-0 Minnesota. A hot Minnesota team only scoring one goal? Yeah, I think Red Bulls are disciplined. I think they might be a little bit young, but I think they're they're disciplined, and I think it's going to be – no, yeah. It's true. Teams, it's teams true. score eight goals in two games, and then sometimes they, yep. they score one. A win's a win. A, a win's a win. So I think, uh, I think they slip away with a 1-0 win. I'll probably regret that when I actually watch them play because they're probably going to score more than that. But that's that's what I'm sticking with. I'm sticking with my guns. Um, so that wraps up all of our segments. Before we close out, does anybody have anything to add? No, I just hope everybody really enjoys the weekend. Um, lots of good soccer coming on. A um, couple teams on a bye, so, but there's still plenty of good soccer. I imagine everybody's celebrating St. Patrick's Day this weekend, so I hope everybody stays safe and remembers that even during all the chaos. Are some soccer games on? I'll be remembering it. We'll see. I'm in Memphis, so Beale Street can get kind of crazy, but we'll find out. So I hope everybody stays safe, enjoy their weekend. and uh, Can't wait to entertain everybody for week three next week after uh, this coming weekend of uh, MLS action. Looking forward to it. And same same thing as Dakota said, everybody have fun, be safe, stay healthy, and drink as much as possible for St. Paddy's Day and let go. First thing I'm going to say <laughs> is wash your hands for 20 damn seconds as soon as you're done with this podcast. <laughs> go, go get you some soap. Wa- wash them up to your elbows. I don't want the MLS to be gone next uh, week. Please, no. I'm, uh, I don't want I have that whole plan to Nashville yeah. set up. I have everything. Plus, they're going to miss out on our entertainment, too, does not get postponed. and our info on the, on the MLS Week 3. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll still be here next week to recap at least these games. 
So hopefully nothing other than what's already been postponed is postponed for next week. Again, I want to thank everybody, just like Poopus and Dakota said. Thank everybody for giving us a listen. I think within the first week, we our goal was to get 50 listens. We got just short of 50. So thank you to everybody that listened. I hope you guys continue to listen. Uh, we truly appreciate the over an hour that you guys give to, to listening to the nonsense that we talk about. But it's something that we're passionate about. Um, like Poopa said, stay safe out there. Stay healthy. Drink your water. Wash your hands. Enjoy the good soccer that's on. And Club America just scored the 11th minute against Damn Atlanta. it, Blake. You're so ahead I'm going to leave it. God I'm damn it. Sorry. I'm sorry. All right. So on that note, I'm going to go ahead and close this out. Go Guys, crew. Thanks for another good episode. I'll talk to you all soon. Go crew. Go. Go. Oh, 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 oh,